What's up, friends? Welcome back to another episode of the Team Wellness TO podcast. Today, we have Saran James Vaughn as our special guest. Saran is a holistic nutritionist and women's wellness coach. She integrates a variety of modalities, including holistic nutrition, herbal medicine, and strategies for personal alchemy. Her focus is on helping individuals determine the root cause of their health concerns, whether it's the result of exposure to toxic elements in their physical, mental, or emotional environment. She considers herself a facilitator of healing, teaching individuals how to tap into their own innate ability to heal and move through debilitating illness to wellness. We had an extremely powerful conversation with Saran, starting with her own journey from having nocturnal seizures to discovering nutrition and wellness. We chat about all of her services and experiences, including reproductive health. Additionally, we chat about the need for wellness to become more accessible and how BIPOC communities have different experiences when it comes to wellness and specifically birth experiences. You're going to want to grab your notebook and get ready to learn and absorb all of what this episode has to offer. Before diving into today's episode, we want to thank our sponsor, Energy Bits. Katherine Arnston started Energy Bits after her sister was diagnosed with breast cancer and advised by her oncologist that an alkaline diet would help her heal. Katherine immediately sprung into action to help her sister research alkaline foods, and in the process, she discovered algae. When Katherine learned that algae was the most alkaline, plant-based, nutrient-dense food in the world, she knew she had discovered something that could be a big game-changer. The Energy Bits algae tablets are bits of whole food that are safe, pure, and nutrient-dense. We are loving these bits for an extra energy boost throughout our days, and we'll either have them alone or they're perfect in a smoothie. You can check out Energy Bits yourself on the website, energybits.com, and use the code TEAMWELLNESS, all capitals, for 20% off your order. We also wanted to give a shout out to our friends at Resolve CBD. We are loving all of their CBD products and right now I am loving their CBD pain cream. It's a topical cream and it really helps with my muscle soreness after my workout and it promotes calmness and relaxation. Check out this product for yourself as well as the entire line of CBD products at resolvecbd.ca and use the code RSLVTWTO for 10% off your purchase. Here is season two, episode 14 with Saran James Vaughn. Hey friends, welcome to the team. I'm Sarah, a corporate wellness consultant, fitness instructor, and movement enthusiast. And I'm Kira, helping to build a wellness startup and lover of all things fitness, dance, and well-being. We're your hosts of the Team Wellness TO podcast. Together, we've created this podcast to be your one-stop shop for all information about the entrepreneurs that work to build a healthier Toronto every day. With your help, we will form the largest community of healthy, happy, and thriving individuals in Toronto. Our mission is to bring you helpful information and resources in order to make the wellness space more accessible. Let's get this conversation started. So welcome, Saran. We're so thrilled to have you here on the show and learn from you. How are you today? I'm great. Thank you. It's amazing to to be with you virtually today. (laughs) Yes, definitely. We're loving all the virtual chats that we've 
been having and we're so excited to learn more about you. And so to start, we'd like to know where your personal journey in wellness began. It's a bit of a roundabout story. Um, I grew up in Jamaica. I came to Canada when I was 18 years old for university. I didn't actually expect to live here. I was just studying like a, you know, um, on an adventure, if you will, a four-year adventure. And um, it was very different. The, the environment was completely different from a tropical environment, the foods, everything. And I really struggled my first year of university in terms of just feeling well mentally, first winter, and um, also just in terms of my physical health. I was getting sick a lot. And I had some uh, previous history of um, nocturnal seizures, which they couldn't find anything physiologically wrong with my brain or they couldn't figure out what it was. And it didn't happen very often. Um, and this would happen sort of peri periodically every couple of years. Um, so fast forward to the end of university. I had my first child. Um, I basically found that it was my health was fine but not great you know um the the pregnancy was pretty uneventful uneventful and then when my son was about uh i would say 7 months old i had a, a very bad nocturnal seizure it was the first time anyone was really witnessing it because i was with my husband and he i i didn't remember anything I just remember sitting in the I, I know I went to bed and I know I woke up sitting in my living room with paramedics around asking me what my name is and I was totally disoriented had no idea what happened and um, they took me to the hospital did all the tests and nothing um, it just based on my husband's description of what happened um, it appeared I had a seizure so all the tests, all the doctors, and still nothing. Years go by again, um, and I have my daughter. When she's about five months old, I have another seizure. And at this point, I go to a neuro, um, neurosurgeon, and he suggests putting me on medication. Um, it was a really challenging time for me because I couldn't drive, <laughs> you know, they, they kind of yeah. do all of these things. Um, and at that time, I decided to go see a naturopath. It was really actually for my daughter's sake because she had very bad cradle cap. But in the conversation, looking at my diet, looking at my lifestyle, because obviously that's going to affect what's happening with her. You know, I started telling her about these random every couple of years, every three years, I would have this nocturnal seizure. And that really started the process of me looking at my health in a different way, looking at um, how my body was working different um, in a different way, um, looking at, you know, some of the, the food addictions that I had and and, and making dietary changes and really just getting support in a completely different way that I have ever experienced from going to an allopathic doctor. My first naturopath 
naturopathic appointment was 90 minutes long and I just felt so cared for like I felt this feeling of like concern genuine concern and a desire to support and just being educated about things that maybe never thought about so that's sort of how I started in terms of just learning about my own body because it was my naturopath's idea that you know it's not me telling you what's wrong with you um you kind of have to develop a little bit more of an awareness of what is working and what's not um in your life and that totally shifted my mindset and mm-hmm. shifted me. I did everything um and that's where my interest in in wellness started um I always knew I wanted to be of service in some way. So I actually worked in the service industry. Um, I worked in um, corporate food services and I did a lot of menu planning and things like that. So it ended up being a natural progression after the birth of my third child um, into learning about nutrition in in a more in-depth way and just kind of pulling all these pieces together. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's, yeah, that's such a journey. And I, I can't imagine how, I guess, scary and confusing that must have been like with the seizures and all of that. And I guess it's really interesting how things that happen to to us in our personal lives can then stem this whole journey of trying to figure it out and then, you know, trying to make changes and yeah, change your mindset and everything how you explained. I think that's, that's really cool. Um, and thank you for sharing that journey. Yeah. Um, so I guess before all this stuff started happening to you, was there ever an interest in wellness or was this first, this was the point in your life where, um, you wanted to focus on it? Like I said, I always knew I wanted to be of service mm-hmm. and I always, you know, I kind of went back and forth when I was in high school. I thought, I toyed with the idea of doing nursing at one point. I just didn't know what it looked like. Right, you have a call to be helpful in some way to um, to help others to just you know make a difference in some way, um, but it just didn't click to me what that would look like exactly um, until I had my own sort of um, moment of you have to kind of focus in on your own health. Um, I actually went to Ryerson and I um, studied hospitality. Um, and tourism management. Um, I got a Bachelor of Commerce there and immediately went into food service after graduation. So in a lot of ways, it was sort of, it didn't seem like um, a very clear-cut path, but it was still kind of leading me there Mm -hmm. because in my work in food service, I really did a lot around nutrition and menu planning and a lot of the corporate clients that um, the company I worked for had was really uh, motivated by having the most nutritious um, food offerings available for their employees, etc. So in that process, I started to learn a lot more about how food impacts the person and really um, helping people to make those better choices um, through that work. So it wasn't direct, like I didn't necessarily know I wanted to be a wellness professional as I am now, Mm -hmm. um, but I didn't 
have some feeling like there's something, some work around this that I was meant to do. Mm -hmm. And then, um, so once you did realize that, yes, this is what you wanted to do, you wanted to work in wellness specifically, kind of how did that journey, um, how did you get to where you are now, say after those health episodes happened? Um, like what steps did you take to get to where you are now? So, you know, you've heard the saying, you know, you get the bricks thrown at you until you get the brick wall. Like <laughs> that's, that's sort of what happened. And I think I had come to a point in my career where I didn't feel like that's what I was supposed to be doing. And I had no idea what the alternative was. Like, literally, I had no clue. Um, I always joke and say it happened around my Saturn return. Saturn returns are, <laughs> in astrology, is just kind of that kind of moment where it's like existential crisis almost. A lot of people have this kind of, what am I doing next? What, you know, they might have had an established career up to like 28 years old or whatever. And it's like, hmm, this doesn't really feel like it's it. So after that last um, seizure, I had my baby girl and um, seeing a naturopath, my life is changing. So I'm changing my lifestyle in terms of my mindset around my own health and the health of my kids. Um, doing a lot of reading about um, kids' health, natural health and wellness, eat, you know, what they should be eating, um, natural herbs, homeopathics, all of that crunchy granola mom stuff, right? But I'm still working in corporate and I'm still feeling stressed. And it's still not, I'm not feeling fulfilled. So after I had gone back to work with my after having my daughter, um, I was in a very, very stressful management position where I ended up having to go on medical leave. So that medical leave, I think, was three months long. It was stress leave. Mm -hmm. And I did all the things. I really kind of looked at my health. I started going. I went back to yoga uh, doing meditation I was feeling really zen and I was like I'm going back to work that I don't love but I can find a way because my mind is just kind of more aligned and as soon as I went back literally within a month of going back I got pregnant again oh my gosh. <laughs> with my third child and I was like Aww. this is actually a sign that this is not you know I'm, I'm being shown like this is not it you right know? and so uh, I made that mental decision, mental calculation in my mind when I found out. I didn't tell everybody at work until it was maybe like halfway through my pregnancy, but I knew I wasn't going back. Right. And so by the time my, my son was born, I, I actually had no clue. I was like, I don't know what's going to happen, um, but I know I'm not going back to that. And when he was about in just, you know, the process of again doing things for my kids health and learning and googling and I'm just feeling like a growing interest in nutrition and I looked up um, nutrition schools holistic nutrition schools I found one here that did um, a distance or a correspondence course um, three-year program and I that's where it started at seven when my my son my youngest was seven months old I started the holistic nutrition program 
at Edison Institute of Nutrition. So that, that's literally where it, it started and it's been incredible. So that process of learning in terms of the theory of things and then putting it into practice and gathering all the, um, the experience along the way has just been incredibly life-changing. There's no other way for me to really explain that but to say that it was it's been life-changing yeah wow that's such a it's such an interesting story it's so um it's beautiful that you came like you're doing what you love now and you and you realize that yeah what you were doing before just wasn't wasn't for you yeah and that that really resonates I feel like that happened to me last year what did you call it a Saturn 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 return yeah I think so. I was like, I, I just, anyways, I was in a certain career and I was like, nope, that's clearly not working. And I think that happens to a lot of people. So, and I think that will really resonate with the audience. And so now that I guess you sort of found the path and you did your holistic nutrition certification, um, can you tell us now about the various services that you offer? So I'm, I'm a bit of a, um, the way that I learn is through just following the breadcrumbs. Mm-hmm. So in my nutrition program, we had to we we cover a lot of different things, but in the process, I really discovered a, a deep love for herbs, herbal medicine. And mm-hmm. coming from the Caribbean, we use herbal medicine like traditionally all the time. Cool. My grandmother, you know, she always had some bush <laughs> tea or something uh-huh. like that, and you you kind of grew up knowing okay, you know, if you have a fever, you're going to use fever grass or whatever the case is, right? Um, and so coming here and, and, and sort of acquainting myself with my environment. So now, as I said, I'm, my whole life is shifting. I'm looking at the world around me completely differently, wanting to learn more about herbs. So I um, really took on herbal studies in a very serious way alongside my holistic nutrition course. So I was doing herbal courses alongside the holistic nutrition courses and really doing a lot of work with a dear friend of mine, um, Kareen, who is a um, herbalist and, you know, learning how to make medicines from her, going up to her space um, and learning a lot from her in terms of the practical aspects of it, um, along with the, the theory and the pharmacology of it, um, and just falling in love with that. So herbal medicine is a big part of, of what I do as well. Um, that took me down, uh, you know, twists and turns. And, you know, I love astrology as well. So um, I learned about um, astro herbalism and astrological correspondences with herbs and um, the personal alchemy piece as well. So just what that looks like for, for the person, that transformation that happens that I spoke about. Because a lot of times we think about things in, in isolation. We think about, oh, if I just change my diet, then everything's going to be okay. Or, oh, if I just take all these supplements... Oh, if I just take a bunch of herbs, uh, these are just all tools. They're not, they're not really, um, the core of it is really an internal um, soul, spiritual work, right? So that's something that I really kind of zero in on with my clients is 
the psycho-spiritual and emotional piece of it because that is a huge piece of it. So that's um, a little bit about the things that I offer. And then in the process of taking clients, I noticed that many of them had reproductive health issues, mm-hmm. right? It wasn't just like, oh, I want to lose weight. It's like, I'm overweight and I have PCOS or I have fibroids and it's affecting you know, my hormones in general. So that it, it inadvertently became a, a focus of mine. I didn't really have a specific um, niche when I first started. It was just kind of centered around nutrition. But based on the clients that I was having, my work started to shift into that, to supporting folks um, who have um, hormone issues. So because I'm, I, I'm really about lived experience and just um, elevating that and having healing be um, something that you really integrate, um, I started to, to track my own cycle. I never really had a, a ton of issues in terms of my, my cycle or anything like that. But when I got to my early 30s, I noticed that it started to shift a little bit, meaning my cycles would get a little bit longer, you know, and I noticed maybe a little bit more spotting here and there, but Mm -hmm. nothing major. But to me, it just kind of signaled something might have been not 100%. So going to, again, at that time, I was like, maybe I should just get some tests done. And nothing over it was showing up again. So that, that signaled to me it's, it's an internal thing. So I started to track my cycle with the moon. And I've been doing it for four years. Journaling at the new moon, at the full moon. Um, tracking what, the, what I'm feeling, what's coming up. And noticing patterns. So I can look back a year ago and see what was I journaling and writing about experiencing or two years ago and see how much there's this kind of ebb and flow and shift and change. And it's cyclical. And it actually allowed me to to be more compassionate about compassionate towards myself Mm. because I saw that some of the things that we think are wrong it's just normal. It's just part of the natural cycle of things. So that, that understanding and awareness actually really informs the way that I um, work with clients as well. That's so cool. I, yeah. I love that. I feel, I feel like I don't journal or anything um, about it, but I almost want to start because I feel like there's patterns of like, you know, the, the, week, the week leading up to it. Sometimes I feel like I'm feeling I don't know, I want to call it like moody and extra like on edge and all of those feelings, I guess. And so it's interesting that you're explaining that there, when you look back, you're able to see those, those patterns. And I think all the services that you offer are really cool. And um, clearly like all your clients are going to benefit from those greatly. Mm -hmm. To anyone in the audience who might not um, fully understand um, and also for me personally, (laughs) um, could you explain uh, what personal alchemy is? So personal alchemy is really transformation, Mm. (laughs) personal transformation. Um, There's something that really shifts uh, when you decide to look at your health and your wellness differently. So for some people, 
it kind of works where they have a spiritual awakening and that kind of opens the door to them wanting to take care of their physical physical body differently. For some people, it's like, I feel not well, so maybe I need to do some things to change, change my diet, change, you know, whatever. And I want to take a holistic approach, meaning I want to try natural therapies. Either way, that's going to change something inside you. It really is going to change your whole energy. So when you are, so for, for example, when you're taking plants, plant medicine, plants all have their own energetic signature imprint, just like any living thing um, has energy. And when you ingest plants, plant medicine, they're giving you energy. They're not just changing the physiology, but they're changing your energetic field as well. Mm-hmm. So that personal alchemy that change that happens is going to change the way that you think about the world it's going to help to attune you to natural cycles and natural um, ebbs and flows as we we can witness it in our environment we start to become a reflection of what um, we see in our outer world we start to realize that whatever is within us is going to be what is projected outside of us that's what we're going to see. And when we get to that awareness, that really, really shifts something. So personal al- alchemy or me helping to facilitate that um, journey to transformation is really about, you know, helping you to identify the ways in which you are being called to that. What are the little breadcrumbs that you're being offered? For me, it was random unexplained seizures (laughs) I've not had a seizure in eight years well that's Um, good I've 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 made these changes and I don't think it's necessarily my diet but you know I it's I think it's so much more than that it was alignment right I feel like I wasn't aligned and that was Mm. the universe saying to me you're not aligned and until oh. you become aligned, you're going to get these. And so the moment I shift, started to shift those things, my mindset, my, my energy, my food, my, my outlook, then those, that stopped. Mm-hmm. So cool. Now we're going to move on to entrepreneurship. So what has it been like creating a business in the wellness space? Wow. Okay. <laughs> I would say... Folks who really love this work don't really want to sell it. I mean, right. that, that's, that's so fair. <laughs> part of the, the irony of it all and the world that we live in is like, this is something that you love um, to do, to help support, teach. It doesn't feel like something that you want to commoditize at all. Mm-hmm. But, um, and, and I think that there's a growing movement around finding ways to make wellness accessible because it's really um, not at this point. Mm-hmm. It's really not accessible to um, the folks who really, really need it. Yeah. Um, so that's been, I think, the, one of the challenges for me is kind of wrapping my head around being a business person. And I mean, I can because I did, I did a Bachelor of Commerce. Mm-hmm. So I do have business background, but 
that intersection of wellness and business is a challenging one to navigate sometimes because you want you want to make sure that everybody who needs the services and it really should be available to everyone it shouldn't be something exclusive or so out of a price range that you know you feel like it's just out of reach so that that's one part of the challenge that i had the second part is that i'm actually pretty introverted <laughs> um I'm very sort of, you know, I love to be alone. I'm, I li- I'll go out, but I tend to be more of a quiet person. Um, so I actually had to do a lot of work around the visibility factor and just being comfortable putting myself out there, if you will. Um, having a face that you can see on Instagram and, and these things um, because I never really want it to be about me. It's it's about the work. It's about you or the client. You know, it's not about me selling something. It's it's more about how can I support you in figuring this out. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I had a, a tremendous amount of support from my naturopath, and it wasn't because she told me what to eat. <laughs> yeah, it's it it really was the support and me just being using that support to as a a launching pad for my own curiosity Mm -hmm. right so when it comes to business in wellness it's really been tricky Mm -hmm. but I'm constantly learning and growing and finding ways to to um, provide the service and make it accessible and that sort of mental barrier about showing up (laughs) Yeah. Um, you know, on social media and things like that. Yeah, I really like the way you put that. Um, I I resonate with that. I remember going from school to working full time and like, it's just weird. Like if you want to help people, you don't want to charge them for it um, because like you truly, truly want to help people. And that's such a, I was thinking when you said that, like we have universal health care to an extent here in Canada. Um, but it'd be really amazing if we could have universal wellness care, like not just the, the physical stuff that we see like in doctors and, and hospitals. It'd be amazing if there's some way to include that. Yeah, absolutely. Because these are all tools to help bring the person, bring a person back into harmony or balance. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it's an elusive place. We think like, okay, now, I am, I am balanced. It's not, it's, it's sort of a place that you realize you're not in. And then you sort of try to move the dial back into the middle. It's not really a place that you stay. So all the healing modalities, whether it's acupuncture or um, physio or um, chiropractic work, uh, TCM, Ayurveda, whatever it is, these are all tools that help to support and I think it really should be more accessible um, for folks who need it. Um, mm-hmm. But a part of the challenge is that we have a, a very um, colonial mindset when it comes to wellness. So mm-hmm. we are not centering traditional and indigenous um, healing practices. And right. we don't value it as much. So when we don't value it as much, then we see that it becomes inaccessible which doesn't make any sense like this this is like these practices are ancient everybody should be able to to access them it 
you know I really that is sort of like the the part where a lot of of um, wellness professionals uh, you know struggle especially the really good really good ones mm -hmm. um, my friends who are herbalists this is something like when it comes to pricing all of these things it's it's always that struggle because we really love the work we love working with the plants we love working with people we love the supportive um, you know being of support and and yeah it's it's tricky but we're getting there i really think that things are shifting in a in a direction where we are finding ways to to help more people yeah and and that's definitely good because things for sure need need to shift and as we've been saying it needs to be something that everybody can access i think one thing that i i i think i noticed this on your website which i think a, a lot of more people should consider is how you have a sliding scale um which i think is extremely helpful because you're not saying like you know this is my price and you know this is that like take it or leave it i think that that's really cool that you're able to just almost meet people where they're at and still be able to try to help them so i think that's a great first step what what sort of made you decide to to do that i think about the people who really need it i yeah. think about people who have reached out to me and said i don't really i can't really afford it but i would still like to learn from you mm -hmm. um i'd still like to be able to support you know yeah uh, get some help with with whatever it is i'm struggling with so yeah um, I, I decided to do a sliding scale and that's something that I'm, I absolutely discuss. If a client comes to me and says, hey, you know, I have some financial hardship, um, what can we work out? I also do payment plans as well. So you don't have to necessarily think about the whole lump sum at once. Yeah. Um, so there's different ways I try to um, work around that. I also have a link on my website where um, you can sponsor uh, BIPOC, uh, Black Indigenous person of color who would like to work with me, but maybe can't afford it. Um, oh, wow. And that, that allows me to take folks on who, again, uh, typically may not be able to afford it, but would love the support. And that I think specifically um, I offer for, those spaces tend to go for my, um, for folks back home in Jamaica, um, because when, you know it can be like a little bit intimidating when they see the price. I'm I'm pricing based on where I live, right? Okay. Um, mm -hmm. And so, I I particularly you know if when folks donate in that way, tend to take folks from back home as clients. Yeah, that's incredible. We're we'll definitely include that that link in our the episode description so that people can. Can check that out. I think that's really, really incredible and important for sure. And when it comes to your clients, how can you determine that they're the right fit just in terms of they're going to get what they need out of your services? So, a couple of things. I, I generally do a free 30 minute consult. It depends on the, the goals of the person. So, here's the thing there, I am not, I'm not. I can't heal for you. Like that is the work of the person who is coming to me and saying, Hey, uh, I have X, Y, Z. Um, what can I do? Um, yeah. So if, if it seems like there's going to be n not really a commitment to 
that personal curiosity about the self, you know, then it might not be a good fit. Mm. I'm, I'm really just there to facilitate and say, hey, maybe why try this. But it's a, a, a process of self-discovery and seeing what works for you. It's very individual. There's like tons of nutrition theory and like, you know, I could go into all the science of it and diets. This, there's like a million diets out there. Not, there's not a one size fits all. So you really have to be committed to that process of being self-aware. Um, a lot of what I do is, a lot of my, my clients really love the accountability. So I do accountability um, worksheets they get every week. Um, we update them based on, you know, feedback and things like that. But a lot of that is centered around how are you feeling? What did you notice? You know, because that's going to inform how you now create your own um, idea of what wellness is for you. I can make certain suggestions based on um, the information that you've given me, but nobody is an authority on you. I'm not an mm-hmm. authority on, on you. That, that's, that's really your job. And I think right. a lot of the times we've, we've learned to rely on someone else to tell us what's wrong with us because that's how we are taught through um, allopathic medicine. You go to the doctor and you say, hey, tell me what's wrong with me. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, yeah. You have a bunch of tests and they tell you what's wrong with you. And you're like, okay. In the natural or holistic space, it's really more of how do you feel? If you eat cheese, are you going to get a post-nasal drip? What can you do to maybe not have that happen anymore? Uh, Maybe you need to eliminate cheese and see how you feel after 10 days of not having it. Is that Mm -hmm. going to know, will you now have less bloating as a result? Like it's an investigative process. Are you willing to take that journey? So if... Mm -hmm there's that expectation of me telling you what's wrong and me fixing it, then it's probably not going to be a good fit because I cannot fix anyone. That's not really the goal. It's really about having that support to say, okay, maybe try this, maybe try that. You're on the right track. You can't get it wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and just being willing, willing to kind of journey alongside having that support to journey alongside that was the perfect explanation and I think yeah it's it's important that people realize that it has to be you have to be committed in yourself to make the changes that's Mm -hmm. um really key um all right so have there been many ups and downs uh through creating your own business yes because I am human yeah (laughs) (laughs) so I think you know I'm very much about practicing what I teach and sometimes, you know, I do, I, I take breaks sometimes from social. Sometimes I just don't want to, to do it at all. Um, there are times when I don't take clients because my own, you know, wellness is, takes uh, more importance. Mm-hmm. And I, I think a lot of folks don't really choose themselves very often, which is why there's challenges around their wellness. So in that sense, I guess it's an ups and downs because I have to manage the expectations. I kind of have to get tunnel vision sometimes and say, well, I can't really watch what anybody else is doing. I have to kind of work on my own timeline. I'm also very intuitive. So like if, if 
something I work with my energy a lot. So if something doesn't feel like it's flowing, then I will just won't do it. If it, if it feels like I'm forcing, then it's my signal to just kind of pull the energy back. So I guess to answer the question, the, the ups and downs are more about my own internal processes mm-hmm. and sort of managing that outer kind of facade of what a wellness professional should be like and and what it actually is to live in my body and just be myself yeah I really like that (laughs) yeah and it makes a lot of sense and it's kind of a unique perspective we ask Mm -hmm. a lot of our guests this question and they talk about almost like more tangible things like of like the the actual like the, the business like it's been hard I don't know for example like COVID it was is hard for for the business and a lot of other reasons but that's such a key point because yeah like if we're not showing up for ourselves then we're not going to be able to show up for our clients like or people in the wellness space if they're you have to take care of yourself to a certain Mm -hmm. extent to be able to take care of others so it it's definitely hugely important but then I feel like because generally people in the wellness space are just such givers and they want to help people so they almost give out almost all their energy and then there's nothing left for themselves so it's there's pressure there especially with social media for sure so it's just I guess about finding that that balance absolutely I think um you know it's just about putting your own oxygen mask on first Mm -hmm. first because what's the point of me telling folks to do that when I can't do it for myself Mm -hmm. Um, it's it's so interesting the other day a couple weeks ago I went for a hike. I tend to go every day during the week. There's a really nice conservation park um, not too far from my my home. And I was walking and I saw a a woman from my neighborhood. I've lived in the same place for 10 years. Her kids go to my school and she said to me, oh, like, you know, you're out here alone. And I said, she was with her, her four kids. I was like, yeah. I'm, I'm out here by myself because I need to be yeah, <laughs> right <laughs> oh, that's so cool you know like um you know that's so really good that you're taking the time for yourself and I said I have to mm-hmm. I, I it, it's I, I'm not able to function if I'm always giving if I'm always if my cup is empty I can't do anything I'm not helping anyone that's mm-hmm. just um, martyrdom, which yeah. I don't think is, is helpful for anyone. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, and I think this will be helpful to any moms listening out there <laughs> for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, and it's not easy. You have the mom guilt. I get it. Like it's not, it's, I'm, I'm not immune to the mom guilt of thinking, Oh, you know, I should be X, Y, Z, but I kind of just I can't it's just brain noise right (laughs) yeah I I don't really buy into it anymore to the degree that I used to Mm -hmm. because I know it's just my brain kicking up it's not it's not necessarily true it's just based on ideas of what society tells you uh, a good mother is supposed to be or if you're a good mother it means like you don't have you don't take time no that that doesn't work for me like I will not be well I just won't be well Mm -hmm. and that's what you know a lot of people in in wellness struggle with that 
Um, especially if they have families and things like that. It's, it's, it's a constant um, struggle to manage all these things. It's like, it's like having four burners on a stove and everything is on high. Like mm -hmm. something's going to burn and I just yeah. don't want it to be <laughs> me. Um, <laughs> yeah. So some things are going to turn down. You're going to turn down the stove, turn down the flame on cer certain things. So it's a slow simmer. You know, you don't maybe have to pay too much attention to it because it's turned down low. Some things you're going to have cooking on high. Sometimes the thing that's cooking on high is my business. Sometimes the thing that's cooking on high is my kids. Sometimes it's whatever, me. So it's, it's just, uh, you know, part of it. I love I that love explanation. That. <laughs> yeah, that's such a cool analogy. Um, yeah. We're, we'll, we're going to start to use that. Yeah. Um, and it's definitely a really important topic. And then speaking of it, important topics. Um, we are taking a look at some of the blog posts that you post on your website, seriously, some incredibly important topics. And so your one titled internalized racism and effects on wellness, sexual and reproductive health, you chat about how the first place to start healing is acknowledgement. And so would you be able to just shed some light on kind of what you mean by that and that topic for our audience? So that specific blog article talks about the ways in which black folks have internalized biases stigmas etc mm -hmm. that were projected onto us mm -hmm. and how that has impacted our wellness or reproductive wellness so there's um, that particular article talks about um, archetypes or or stereotypes of uh, black women and um, you know you know, the angry black woman, the, um, the mammy, these are all, you know, the Aunt Jemima, uh, you know, image mm -hmm. that was on, ju they just literally just thought about maybe that is not something that they should have on a box in 2020 yeah. just now, you know, but these are sort of like images that in a, in a lot of ways we've sort of internalized mm -hmm. and it really affects us. So for example, that image of the mammy is is one that was perpetuated throughout slavery it's like the asexual um caregiver that was just gave everything she had in spite of herself mm. okay she didn't um it wasn't even about her own family it was about her her um master's family um, it wasn't about her needs, it's complete sacrifice of her needs. So when okay. we look at that from the perspective of it being internalized, what does that look like? A lot of Black women struggle with that still, giving everything to everyone and not taking care of self. So the way that we can um, decolonize our mindsets around that is by doing the things with, that I just said, which is I'm going to take that time for myself. Yeah. That's no longer something that I'm going to accept as, as a part of my ecosystem, a part of my mindset, you know, Got it. Mm -hmm. I'm going to now take that and reclaim it and say, no, like mm -hmm. I'm going to take that. I care about all these other things, but I also care about, taking care of myself so, so that I can be the best version for the other folks around. Mm -hmm. So that, yeah. that's sort of um, where that 
article came from um, or that blog post, just sort of acknowledging that these are a lot of things that were projected onto us and we've accepted that accepted as truth. Right. Yeah. Thank you for shedding light on that. Um, it's, I, it's really going to be helpful for our audience to understand that. Mm-hmm. And um, to continue on this, how, can you share some of your knowledge on how Black communities face differing health outcomes and specifically maternal health and birth experiences and how we can educate ourselves in this area? There is a long, extremely long history, and even still in some medical literature, it is thought that we have a higher pain threshold than other folks. So we're treated completely differently. I'll give you a personal example experience. When I had my third child, so all, all my births were vaginal birth. When I got to the hospital, I was in like, in, the contractions were in, intense. Mm-hmm. They put me in triage. They monitored it. They were just maybe five minutes apart at the time. But when they checked me, I was just two centimeters dilated. So they're like, okay, um, you know, we'll just hang out here. I said, no, I, I, I need a room. Mm-hmm. You can't, I need to be in the labor and delivery room. Like, yeah. I don't need to be in triage right now. Like, this, yeah. is, this child is going to come out. They're like, well, mm-hmm. you're only two centimeters. I'm like, I know. Like, I, you're telling me. <laughs> Yeah, about my body. I've had two other whole children. Yeah, <laughs> and my one, my second child was actually born at the same place. As I go back to the record and look, that child came like in no time. Mm, right after I, I kind of got, and they still like dilly dallied. I was, I had to actually freak out, like totally freak out. Like I need a room. I don't care what it is. Yeah, and. Back when I had my my son, I was I didn't have doula support. It was just my husband there. And by the time they got me to the room and checked me, I was like seven centimeters. In like everything kind of just ended up going so quickly. The doctors started scrambling. By the time I looked around, it's like ten centimeters, and I was like, you know, I felt like I couldn't even catch my breath. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's like this disbelief of like what you're experiencing it's like no it's okay you're fine a lot of uh, of folks experience that in the birth in their in their birth experiences um my first birth experience was extremely traumatic um for similar reasons um around pain around pain management uh the maternal health outcomes are still quite poor um, in terms of maternal death death rates in the black community um, specifically around preeclampsia and not catching that quickly enough or early enough. My own grandmother actually always tells the story of how she almost died, or she did die. In her mind, she died when she was having my mom and my, my mom's twin sister. She had oh, wow. preeclampsia. Um, there's that story of Serena Williams and her birth story. Beyonce has her own story as well. Why is it oh. that we're healthy? outcomes are so different why is it that women are still dying folks are still dying in childbirth in 2020 there's another um critical piece of of it too which is 
um, premature labor, going into premature labor. A client of mine that I worked with who was trying to get pregnant eventually did get pregnant, but she went into labor at, I think, 20 weeks, very, very, very early. Yeah. That child is a miracle child because yeah. he's, uh, he's alive today. His, his mm-hmm. birthday is actually the day after mine. Um, he's supposed to be born in March and he was born in November. Oh wow. my goodness. But one of the things she said was when she got to Sunnybrook neonatal intensive care, everybody was black. All the parents, all the, the mothers, the birth mothers were black. The whole neonatal unit. Mm-hmm. So these are things that we need to look at more. There's not enough studies being done. Why is this happening? Um, why is the care so different? How can we support Black folks who are, are pregnant? Mm-hmm. You know, the stress um, that is experienced, really having that full circle support, I think is so important for us and it's, it's just missing. So there's, there's a lot of pieces to that. There's actually recently a story of a, a YouTuber who died. I think it was just over the last weekend, um, eight months pregnant. Uh, the oh. full story hasn't come out yet. And there's quite a few articles I've, I've seen, you know, just saying things like the same thing that police do, do to Black folks, doctors are doing to Black women. Okay? The treatment and the care that we that is being given so that's something that we really need to take more look at and more care of mm-hmm. and there's tons yeah. of um, doulas and support workers midwives who have who are seeing this like every day wow it's it's almost like i'm getting just like almost like overwhelmed with like emotion and like it's almost like shock that i'm experiencing as you talk about this but i think that's like that's part of the problem it needs to be something that is talked about much, much more and mm-hmm. and stopped, right? And so I thank you for sharing all of this because now it's going to be something that we can, us, like we can and our audience can look into more and figure out how we can be more educated and the things that we can do to, because that, that's just not, that's not right and really I scary, think adv- A big part of it is the advocacy, in mm-hmm. okay. and I know with COVID it's really hard so yeah. many of the doulas right now that I know are you know it's hard because they're, they're really there to support and advocate for their clients um, when they're in a vulnerable place and a lot of that is not happening right now horrific birthing experiencing experiences oh. I cannot stress enough how important midwifery and doula support is um, for folks who are pregnant, especially yeah. in in BIPOC um, communities, like it is critical because the treatment is so different. You and when you are in a place of vulnerability, meaning you're focusing on giving birth to a child, and your rights are being infringed upon in some way, you need someone who knows to say, "This is not what she wants. Mm-hmm. Right. This is what she needs." she's feeling this, can you please get this person? Can you please get that person? So yeah. when you're in the moment, as a pregnant person, that's not necessarily something that you can do, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I, that's so I important. Mean, yeah, that, there's a lot that you're trying to 
deal with when you're giving birth. I know that we, yeah, we know a couple of people who are doulas. I think that would be an interesting conversation to have actually on the podcast to learn a bit, bit more about that practice because I'm not sure that a lot of people know about the kinds of things and the support that they can provide. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, thank you for sharing all that. That was um, a lot of really great information. How does trauma take an effect on women's reproductive health? Whether that trauma comes from multiple different different scenarios, not not childbirth itself, um, but how can that um, affect a woman's a woman's reproductive health? Biologically speaking, reproduction is a nice to have. It's not an essential. Mm-hmm. When we are in um, trauma states or our nervous systems are always being triggered, then that's one of the things that gets shut off along with digestion and different things. Mm-hmm. So. It, Trauma has a direct effect on reproductive health because unprocessed trauma um, and not understanding your nervous system or a dysregulated nervous system is going to shut down your reproductive system Mm. completely. That makes sense. It's not going to function well because you have to be, there has to be a perception of safety in order to reproduce. Even if you're not reproducing, it's just the process of things working as it should. So if if the body doesn't perceive safety, then it can't do work as it should. That's sort of the most concise answer I can give you. No, that makes sense. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And um, now we just have a question that we ask all of our guests. What does wellness mean to you? I think wellness is a feeling. How do you feel? And And it's not... It's not about feeling good all the time. It's having the tools to support when you're not and being able to hold space for yourself or find the support to hold space for you, that container, when you don't. Wellness is integrating and coming into balance with the natural world, honoring the ebbs and flows, that exist within so that you mm-hmm. can really um, have an appreciation for your environment around you. And I guess the word that comes to mind is just compassion um, and just really developing a compassionate voice for all the things um, so that you can deal with the things that life co- uh, throws at you. Mm-hmm. you know? Um, there's sort of this idea that wellness is, means you're happy all the time and everything is always going well. And there's like this kind of toxic positivity that sometimes comes with it. Yeah. And that doesn't leave a lot of space for the cha- more challenging emotions and the more, the more challenging things that we experience. We all do we all have those experiences. I think a measure of wellness is how you how you are able to move through that you know can yeah. you move through it with grace you know yeah so that's part of my definition yeah yes. that's a good one it's we love hearing everybody's different perspectives and answers on that one and the different words that come to mind to the individuals mm-hmm. what is next for you and next steps for wellness by saran so i'm doing a lot of planning right now but I do have a Patreon page. Again, that's one of the things that I recently 
um, started working on um, creating content for. And one of the ways that I would like to have a more accessible space and build community. Um, mm -hmm. So just teaching in that space and sharing information in that space for folks who might need it, who don't necessarily have a budget for you know, one-on-one -on -one coaching, but want the support of a community, want the support of, you know, just learning and sharing. Mm -hmm. um, so that's that's sort of where the next steps of that is. And then sort of medium, longer term is building out the online course for Inner Seasons, which is a really great workshop I do in person. <laughs> but because of um, the times we're in, like just shifting that offering online. So mm -hmm. Inner Seasons is a course that is designed to help you fully embrace the cyclical nature of um, having a womb space and what that means. How can you um, manage your energy and the ebbs and flows of it and come into greater appreciation for your cycle? Mm -hmm. How can you use it as a blueprint for living your life? How can you learn when it's a good time to be strategic and a good time to rest and how to nourish yourself through the different phases and how to, um, what herbs might be helpful, how that, the moon affects all of that, um, how astrology might affect all of that. What are some of the archetype, archetypal energies in tarot that might support that? So that's sort of something I'm building out for Wellness by Saran. I like the um, the Patreon. Is it Patreon? I always say it weird. Yeah. Um, I love that idea. That's a really great way to make it more uh, your information a lot more accessible. So that's great. Awesome. And we're just going to close off with um, a surprise little speed round. Are you ready? Okay. <laughs> okay. So they're easy. Don't worry. So what's your favorite day of the week? Monday. Because that's the day I was born. I was born on a Monday. Nice. Um, what's your favorite way to stay active? Hiking. There's so many, but that's what it is right now. What is something that always makes you feel better? Music. Yeah, same. Love that. <laughs> yeah, me too. Um, what's your favorite season? Summer. For sure. Mm -hmm. And um, what is your happy place? In my, uh, in my backyard. <laughs> Aww, that's so that's, nice that's lovely yeah all right well that's the end of the questions and thank you so much for joining us today it's been such an inspiring conversation we've learned so much um so could you please just share where people can find you and um, connect with you online and on social okay so my website is wellnessbysaran.com instagram wellness underscore by underscore saran and um, on my Instagram page, if you click the link there in my bio, you will get um, all the other links to my Patreon page, um, ways to sponsor BIPOC, um, who would like to work with me. Um, there's also a wellness survey there that I would love you guys to um, you know, participate in. It's eight questions, but it's very helpful. Um, just to understand what the needs are of the community and yeah that's it wonderful yeah we'll share that um, also and people can find it and access it and again thank you so much for joining us um, we have learned so much from 
from speaking with you. And we really appreciate you sharing everything that you've shared and your journey. And we hope to connect with you soon and hopefully meet um, and see you in person. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. We learned so much from Saran and we can't wait to hear what you thought. And a final shout out to our amazing sponsor, Energy Bits. We are loving all of these products to give us a boost in our days. Make sure that you use the code TEAMWELLNESS, all capitals, for 20% off your purchase. Thank you so much for listening to the Team Wellness TO podcast. Make sure to subscribe on the platform of your choice so you never miss an episode. If you loved this episode, please leave us a review and don't forget to share your thoughts by tagging us on social. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Team Wellness TO or check out our website at teamwellnessto.com. From us to you, welcome, welcome to, to the, the team. team. <laughs>